welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have with me a, a bucket list guest today. If you gave me like five people I would love to have on the show, this fine gentleman would be one of them from the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Arthur Brown. Arthur, how are you? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, coming out at the end of COVID. And uh, it's at the point where, uh, yeah, I'm feeling great. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. You sound fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm happy. So that, that makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, if you've if you got COVID and you feel unhappy, oh, dreadful. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. You uh, you have been a part of my life since I can remember. Uh, as a child, we had your first album, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown, in our cabinet, I was absolutely fascinated by the cover. I reviewed it earlier this year, but for those folks uh, who don't remember or uh, don't recall, <laughs> there it is right there. Uh, this I used to just sit there and stare at this cover, and I would imagine, uh, sometimes I would imagine like you putting all this on to take the picture, and sometimes I would just try and think about how you came up with the concept. How did you come up with the concept? That's It's, it's really interesting. Well, of course, I was doing state. <clears throat> uh, my stage act then did have makeup in it, mm -hmm. and uh, we, I was playing down at the, the UFO Club, which was the underground club, uh, two nights a week, and uh, the rest of the week it was Irish music, the Blarney Club, and um, so that was floating in the air as far as anybody doing. Uh, a cover for a crazy world uh, album. They they could have chosen the flames because I was already using those. Right. Um, but it 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 was the team of uh, people that Lambert and Stanford Track Records got together, um, and Kit Lambert's father was a composer so kit was in the whole flow of classical music which led to what was on the album partly um and and vincent was a trained he could conduct orchestras and he could uh, write music and he had studied at the trinity school of music in london so he could do that but beyond playing you know extremely good modern jazz and boogie and anything else in in that sphere um so they wanted something wild and psychedelic mm -hmm. uh, even though even though uh kit lambert unbelievably the, the manager of the who and the crazy world of arthur brown said to me We'll do this on the album, this this fire stuff. But I jolly well not doing two sides of it. <laughs> Whoever would want to what, listen to two sides about fire? Good God! Uh, and and so he said, and um, and as for the you know the, the, the continuity of this, we we will do the album because there is a, an interest in these things now. But but this this psychedelic hippie stuff it's a flash in the pan it'll be gone <laughs> and, and I wrote he said um it won't be long before we'll we'll have you uh uh shaving 
so we can put you on the lounge circuit. Ooh. Singing like the band. Oh, no. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I thought, what? I said, Kit, you just don't understand. <laughs> this, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is what I'm doing. I am doing this. I'm not going to be a lounge singer, thank you. Yeah. And, and, I, and I said, on, on top of that, how would I manage without, I've got a beard. You know, and and uh, and it was sidebirds and the you know the, the and and uh, he said yeah, easily we just shave it off and then you put for the the two days of uh, UFO you put on false sideburns and and, and a moustache and, <laughs> and, and he was firmly convinced that it was all a flash in the pan but he did want to do the album and so he. Um, gathered from all the people around. Uh, they were connected with all sorts of artists of, of a current uh, style and of a very high quality. Mm-hmm. And they looked them out. They came and visited the, the track office, which itself was a, a kind of zoo of a certain kind, mm-hmm. um, with every kind of person you can think of in there. From um, you know, police chiefs to bishops to street people to wow. uh, criminals, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, and and so he he had he had his pulse on, and uh, and to a certain extent also Chris Stamp. Uh, the the trends, the artists who were uh, giving genuine art rather than just uh, being part of a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they got uh, David Montgomery and, uh, oh, I'm, I'm dreadful, I can't remember, the, the, the guy who did the front cover, which is the, uh, yeah, it's my face and the, the painted, I'm wearing... Uh, Sunglasses, so you can get the UV on there. Right. Um, yeah. It's beautifully done. I mean, it it really evokes just such a a feeling of I've got to hear this album. I've got to hear what's behind this image, which is the whole point of an album cover, right? It's to grab the attention yes. and, and draw the interest. What I love most about this album, besides the the title "Spontaneous Apple Creation," by the way, is one of the greatest titles I've ever heard. <laughs> I what I love about this album is it, it's kind of. Um, it, it's like a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. It's it's passages of of music. It's got some structured songs, but there's also a, a lot of almost like free form, uh, just performance on it, which I, I really love. It's what I love about bands like Zappa or King Crimson. But Zappa would do 15 minutes of music that makes no sense. Just a tuba just comes in for no reason, you know. Uh, but I, I've always loved the just the flow of it that it wasn't restricted to. Here's a song that is intro, verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, solo. You know, there's there's a lot of just openness to it. Yeah, that was uh, from various uh, reasons, I suppose. One one was that um, I I was thinking dramatically, if you like, and and I had spent many years. Even by then, well, 
many would be by then probably five or six. Um, doing um, a form of meditation that my father had introduced, got someone to come and introduce me to because uh, he could tell that the, the, the uh, fall back from the, the Second World War uh, where we the the uh, Luftwaffe seemed to have a a personal thing against us because my mother, grandmother's hotel where we were at the time uh, was blown into dust, absolutely dust. No, no, no walls, nothing left. They hit it dead on it, mm-hmm. and then we moved uh, for some reason. I think it was to do with uh, my father's. Uh, he was at, at the time, the beginning of the war, a metropolitan policeman, PC 602, destined to stop the white slave trade, he said. And um, then uh, they blew that. We were, we were housed in a small house. That one was dust. And that was on Whips Cross Road in the east end of London. And, uh, and uh, so there was all kinds of fallback with my father being then in bomber command and uh, being psychic and he could feel the people being bombed. Um, and we lived in actually then quite close to where Claire and I have ended up here, which is near Whitby on the coast of um, England, and that got the hits on the bombs because England was trying to complete its radar defences. And um, so German planes would come over, and if they failed to reach London, on the way out would drop bombs on the coast hoping to out some of the radar developments oh, right yeah and uh it, it was uh, a tactical thing where churchill then said okay i'll i'll bomb one of uh one of the uh cultural centers in germany in uh berlin was it hamburg i can't remember and and he said and, and you watch, he'll come for London and we can complete the stuff. So that was going on, the the, the streets on fire in London, the, the blitz and everything. And they would, if they missed or still hadn't managed to unload, they'd been driven away by fighters, they would nevertheless come for the coast and that was why, you know, so that was around here. Um, yeah, so we're back to uh, <laughs> the, 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 the cover. Yeah, I, I think it, it was A, a mood of, okay, this is psychedelia. And psychedelia has a, a real face to it. It also has a, a craziness, a fun, um, a daring to it and and um, a kind of uh, if you see that image, it's not it's not a normal album image of that kind. 
Yeah. So that was one of the early psychedelic mm. others, you know, uh, in the true sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think the, we we had ours in alphabetical order for a while because that, you know, that never lasts too long. And I think behind it was uh, Cream's Strange Brew. So you look at, you know, your vibrant album cover and then you look at the, you know, the really big pink uh, album for the beautiful record <laughs> cabinet. Uh, I, I want to ask you too about uh, so so tomorrow, not as we're recording this, but as as people are viewing this tomorrow, uh, I'll be doing my review of your album Dance that was uh, reissued. Uh, Cherry Red Records uh, sent it over to me. Wonderful people over there, Arthur. I yeah. love this album. I, I I mean, you know, spoiler alert for those who are going to listen tomorrow. I love this album. It's it's got such um. I I don't know if presence is the right word. But it's it's like nothing I've heard before. Your voice with these styles of music is not something I would have put together on my own. I wouldn't have said hearing your voice. I wouldn't have said, oh, you should do this. You know, but it never <laughs> occurred to me. Yes. But it's it's beautiful. And your voice with the backing singers, um, very soulful. Uh, I just love the sound and the feel of the whole album. It's really amazing. Well, it's, it's funny, actually, because the, the album originally was going to be dance styles from around the world and of course that that in 74 didn't exist as a a whole market you know what i mean it, it, yeah. it everything was still separate um and you you it's not an easy thing that you're going to put together right. but and i was signed to a, a small record company gold records who did have a a hit with uh, going to Barbados? I think the the, the album, the s single was. Uh, but what had happened was that I managed to go to a live concert in London, Stevie Wonder's, and I went, and I thought. I don't have a manager at, at this time, and uh, he's got bouncers, he's got poor managers. He, yeah, you can't reach him. And I thought, well, nevertheless, I'm going to go. And I went and I talked to the guy outside who said, no, you can't go. You can't see him. He doesn't want to see you. I said, you haven't even asked him. He said, yeah, well, no. He doesn't wow. want to see people. So, So I said, well, Listen, I'm a hit artist who he will know. You go and tell his, his uh, tour manager. So he goes and he comes back and he says, wait here a minute. So the tour manager came and he said, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and I said, well, I want to talk to Stevie. I've, I've got a, a, a business project that he may be interested in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he said, mm, right, right, I'll go and see his manager. Out came the manager, and he said, mm, well, this is something I can't totally, I, I, my inclination is to say, no, I'll go and talk to Stevie about it. So he came back, and he says, Stevie says, Come in, 10 minutes, he'll give you eight minutes because that leaves him about another 10 minutes before he's actually on. 
Oh, this so is before the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm in, in his dressing room. I've never met him before. Mm. And he, he said, just a little chatting and about his music and fire and everything. I told him how much I loved his, what he did, you know. And uh, so he said, come over here. And he's giving me your hand. So so I took hold of his hand. Mm -hmm. He said, give me your other hand. And he put it on his arm here. And then he just went quiet. Getting a sense of you? I, I think so, yeah. Just yeah. with, you know, you can't hide much when you're not talking. Yeah, Not true. looking in the eye. You just... And after about three or four minutes like that, he said, yeah, let's do it. Oh. Yeah, I think I, I would so, probably be thinking, hey, I've only got eight minutes. Uh, can we can we talk about something? <laughs> yeah. Good feel in my hand. <laughs> and and we, we we had talked, you know, just briefly before that about the fact that it was a world a, 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 a world dance styles from around the world. Because at, at that time the whole dancing thing had disappeared really. In terms of you know you go to you used to go to a gig and you dance and and through perhaps some of the heavy metal uh, early it was not as such dance you know you could move like that but it wasn't like the previous stuff which had a a jazzy lift to it. Yeah. And in the crazy world, you know, I, I danced, I danced, I danced all the time. Mm -hmm. And and so um, it, it was an unusual idea. And he, he just felt, oh, yeah, I can see it, you know. So um, that's what was going to happen. And I, I managed... Also, to get to see Stevie Winwood, and he agreed to do the keyboards. So I thought Stevie Wonder and Stevie Winwood, and, and <laughs> yep. whoever else we get. Mm -hmm. And uh, but um, in the end, goal. It it was an expensive. You know, Stevie had his manager was, hey, and um, and also Stevie Winwood's manager. Yeah, Stevie Stevie was happy to do it. His manager said, "Okay, um, you say Steve's already agreed. I don't agree." <laughs> and he <laughs> says, "Okay, okay, if he's insisting." Uh, it's triple session fee level. And so my my record comes said, TB Winwood and Steve, uh, man, we, we just, sorry, I said, we can't do it. 
Yeah, that's your whole budget right there. Just those two yeah. guys. You don't even have a drummer yet. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and so, you know, I think that, it was... It, but that's like what sorry. we were talking about before we started recording was that that difference between the artistic side and the business side. And there is yeah. a lot of that greed, you know. But you also, the the challenge too is people are on tour. You know, you guys are touring around the world. You're trying to get people together to record. Timing is an issue. The budget is an issue. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's so much to it. And I, I was not, you know, I was not a manager. I managed myself, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a manager. And so I, I, there were was a lot I did, just didn't understand about it. And it didn't even occur to me. I thought, well, if they know that Stevie Winwood, uh, Stevie Wonder is going to produce it, they'll jump on it. They'll right. find the money, but you know you can't put your whole record company in in danger for right. this. So, but, but it, it, the expectation would be if Stevie Wonder's producing it and if he's playing on it, you've got Steve Winwood on it. It's going to sell because their fan bases are going to want to buy the album, right? That's what you kind of go in hoping. Absolutely, but it doesn't always but, work. No. And it depends what what their finances are like at the time, what's happening to everything. Mm-hmm. And in in the end, that album, I went after we'd done it with, um, you know, the, the the lineup that we ended up with in in the uh, the studio, which was a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a different beast. Uh, I, I tried to get, for instance, some Chinese music. Uh, involved, but when they sent their stuff, it sounded like Danger Man, and I thought, well, that, that's not that's not what. <laughs> and I I didn't have enough connections in in that area, right? Um, to to be able to to to, to get the thing together, in, and so Roger Bain, who just done uh, I think Judas Priest's album. And various others drew on a different uh, uh, sound idea, and uh, but but it 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 had nevertheless the the feelings that I'd had, and I, I did manage to get by going to a concert, uh, get Toots to say, okay, I'm on tour here with this band. Uh, and it was called Skin, Flesh, Flesh and Bones for the tour of Europe, I presume. And um, and he said, um, well, what, what, what we can do, I'll be quite happy if the band want to play on your album. And so, I, you know, I stayed to the end of the concert and... and uh, had a word with his uh, tour manager and management, and there it was. So that one did happen, and then and they did play on the album on uh, Soul Garden. Yeah, and uh, oh, good. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful sounding album too. Just the the recording quality, uh, the mix that I heard uh, from the new release is fantastic. But I love that um, you know this period of of music was really weird because it was either things were drowning in reverb or they were incredibly dry. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like you either got this or that. There was not a lot of in between. Yeah. 
and and this album there's songs where it there's there's almost no reverb on your voice but it sounds rich and full and and gorgeous the bass playing on this album is absolutely incredible <laughs> you know yes and, yes and and what's the, the song uh helen with the sun uh is probably my favorite and it's seven and a half minutes long but it feels like it's a minute and a half it just it's just <laughs> over before you know it it's it's a beautiful journey this album and every song is really unique it, it's like the album itself is very eclectic it's not like it's a rock album or it's a jazz album every song is is very individual but they work so well together i don't think you could have planned this and made that happen as as well as it did no no uh it the the thing was that with the, i was at the time uh beginning to feel like, okay, uh, I can write songs on the guitar. I'm not a guitarist, mm -hmm. but I can do some chords and things. And do. So a lot of it came out of that. And um, and the, uh, the, the, the dance influences that, that I had uh, crept into how i played it and and it was only a rough idea for people to to listen to mm -hmm. uh, and then make make the uh, the music so it it it, it involved um everything from uh middle eastern tibetan indian yeah uh, it's beautiful and and reggae too you know mm -hmm. which uh it hadn't reached the level it did later as a you know a public phenomenon but you mm -hmm. could see that it, it had its integrity to it and um yeah yeah the foundation is definitely there uh so for you guys that are listening that will be out tomorrow you can listen to my review of that i'll have the links to uh where you can get it as well uh, I'm going to move us ahead a little bit to uh, another in intertwined event between you and I. Uh, shortly before COVID, uh, I can't remember the exact date now. I, I had it the other day. Uh, you played with the Carl Palmer Legacy, Emerson Lake and Palmer Legacy Band. And uh, what I, it, it was an amazing show because it, it was like, yes, John Lodge and the Moody Blues, uh, Asia, Carl Palmer. It was an amazing show. But what I had heard, the rumors were you were going to be at some of the shows and you weren't going to be at some of the shows. So it was it was a coin flip. I, I didn't know whether I was going to. But just at the prospect of getting to see you perform, you know, after all these <laughs> years and sitting there with the album cover, I thought, oh, this is I, I really hope it's a night you're going to be there. And let me tell you, Arthur, there's only one other time I've experienced this. When you walked out on stage, you have such an amazing commanding presence just by being there you weren't even singing yet you just walked out and you just you just have a really amazing presence and the only other time i've experienced that was the two occasions where i've seen alice cooper who has a very unique show where you really feel like he's actually controlling everybody like a puppet i mean he's he's his stage <laughs> show is brilliant you have that 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 same commanding presence i loved that 
and then you sounded amazing, of course, singing singing the songs, <laughs> and, and you did a great job on uh, on the, the ELP stuff too. Uh, how did it How did it feel doing ELP songs with Carl? Yeah, that was that was very strange. I mean, uh, I remember when Dan Ufer we used to play, and the Nice played, mm. which was you know Emerson's. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and I always loved his sounds. He he would get the high electronic sounds that wouldn't go on the normal keyboard, right. you know, sound that people wanted. And uh, so he was very daring in, in all of that stuff. So uh, when Carl uh, and, and Vince uh, put together Atomic Rooster. Mm-hmm. And that's built out where Carl, after about a year, I think, moved on to uh, Keith Emerson. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that, oh, great, because he's another. I mean, Vincent was a, 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 an overwhelming player. Yeah. And and, uh, and Emerson was a presence as well as a gifted player. Mm-hmm. And um, so the idea of then me going out with Carl and uh, doing a version of Fire. Oh, well, yeah, I, I understand that. And <laughs> doing, you know, and I'd, I'd received an offer to sing with uh, on some of the uh, their tour dates, um, Atomic Rooster. Oh. So the, the, it was all floating in the air that, that, that uh, period of music and its styles. And so, and I knew Carl had always been uh, interested in the theater. Mm. He was always on, uh, with the crazy world, a a bright presence, you know, cheeky, Mm. uh, going out with Buddy Rich's daughter and absorbing a load of Buddy Rich's style. Um, and uh, he, he used to go and uh, he'd come back and I'd say, how was it? He said, well, you know, but he was in the kitchen with all the tubes for his, and it was the asthma he had. Very oh, bad. Yeah. And, he, and he had uh, all the tubes in there to, to get the, whatever it was that he was breathing down as far as he could get it. And, uh, so he'd be chatting to to Carl and showing him bits, you know, and uh, so that, that and and it was lovely to be a part of that tradition. Carl, Carl, by the time I was doing the gig that you're talking about, still had the same amount of energy as he did way back then. He's a, a, a phenomenon, and and he he does the thing of carrying as little as he can. So his clothes are all the, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, extreme sport and walking and, oh, and yeah. where you can just wring them out or you can put them under the tap. At the end of the day, wring them out. By the morning, they're dry again. They're washed. And uh, you don't have to, you know, take suitcases of clothes. You just... Yeah. He traveled in them. He was first out of the bus every time, straight down onto the sound. Show He's me very what disciplined. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. he got, he's a, a black belt martial arts, isn't That's he? Right. He's got disciplines in, in every area. Well, you're talking about a guy that used to drag his drums up into the Swiss Alps and just start playing. I mean, he didn't have a little drum set either. But what what amazed me the first time I saw him when when it was uh, just just him and the Legacy Band was first. I mean, that's just an amazing thing that they put together, replacing Keith Emerson with a guitarist. It's just who would yes. think of that? But it was he would play 20th Century Schizoid Man come out and talk he goes and plays Tarkus he comes out and talks like he's not winded he's he's just you know like <laughs> like he just got up from having a, a coffee <laughs> <laughs> most most drummers at that age are fighting that they have to do, take something or or zone themselves uh, in order to stay up at the speed <laughs> Carl has to hold himself back and right. that's the thing you're like oh oh crikey <laughs> he's, he's, he, yeah. start, he starts faster than you normally do and then takes it, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed the, the tour with, with Carl. He's a um, very fair person in yeah. terms of dealing with the musicians. And he always did live, love the theatre. So mm -hmm. for him, me dressing up, and uh, you know, it was great. <laughs> yeah oh it, it works so well i was so glad i got to see you perform and a lot of european bands are not coming over to america right now i don't know if this is still a repercussion of covid and the costs and all that i think Judas yeah. priest is one of the only ones that has it it is that cost and uh you know you had strange things of um the original yardbirds and they they uh slept in the the van it was all like being right back at the beginning of your career yeah. slept in the van and once a week into a hotel and you managed to get a shower you know wow. it's, it's it's you either want to do it and hope that all over again it's going to take a bite somewhere mm. and you know or you just say, I can't, we can't do it. And with, with Europe, a lot of the bands can't go there now. Yeah. Uh, I think they've just begun to try and undo that. I mean, they've been trying. Um, their first attempt was, of course, tell us, go and get a job and retrain. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see you pumping gas or anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I hope it, it changes because I, I can tell you, I mean, we have we have concerts, but man, I, I'd love to see, you know, Purple come back over here. I'd love to see you. I, I know Carl's been over here a few times, but uh, yes. it's, it's, there's there's been very limited runs, you know, and, and I, I know COVID changed everything. And I'm glad I got to see it, you. It did. And, and I know that, uh, yes, had a tour already booked. Yeah. And at the very close to the last day they just said the, the finance now we just can't afford to do the tour yeah. and so that got cancelled yeah. and it, it's you, it's also a question of you know age of the audience and they're they're popping off left right and center as well but if you're if you're a band that can fill an arena like a football stadium like Metallica or you know U2 is playing here at the Vegas Sphere uh if you can if you can do that you're all right. 
But apart from that, it's kind of sketchy. You're all right if you're American. Because even they sometimes turned up and there would be, instead of, you know, 30,000 people, 3,000 people. How do you pay the expenses of that? Well, yeah. I've still got my house. I still live here. and everything. If you live the other side of the channel, you know, everything costs so much more. You have to pay to get back. Yeah. You have to, you know, pay everybody's wages mm -hmm. uh, that you promised them. And on top of that, you go back. You haven't got all the the side sales and merch sales and record sales boosted by the tour, you right. come back and you've got nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's just as bad for, uh, it's worse for an English person or, you know, European band. And I, I think a lot of them, did, most of them just uh, got to wait until things change. Well, and you guys and get I, taxed to hell for everything you do on top of yeah. that. So yes. you're you've got some dates coming up in November. Are you pretty much staying in England? How far out are you going? We do uh, Germany, Italy. Okay. Uh, we've got some interest currently in Peru. Wow. Uh, there's there's a band that um, they have a one of the original peoples of Peru. Uh, their champion. Uh, flute and any wind instrument he's just phenomenal and uh, I, I got him to stand up i was playing with a uh, a german band the hamburg blues band i could i do some of that uh, it's it's sort of early r&b and mm -hmm. such music and uh, they have other people like Chris Farlow and people from that period that are mm -hmm. still singing out there. Um, and um, aha, yes, and I've remembered. Oh, perfect! Yeah, I got him on. I got him on stage. He he was his band. We were doing a festival in Germany, mm -hmm. and his band was playing. Uh, no, he he was playing around that that time, and he came to the festival, and so I, I uh, met him and I said, uh, "Why don't you come on and play with this band?" And he said, "I said it'll we can do something like uh, Sonny Boy Williamson's Help Me." And I said, you, you'll just... So he walked on stage, and he has that presence. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, so everything went quiet. He, he hit six to nine notes, and the audience went berserk. Wow. <laughs> and, and so he, he has that you know, capacity, and that the band that are um, quite heavy metal-ish um, that, he, that he plays with over there, uh, they got a, me to do a, a recording 
and um, so they they are proposing they they've, they've been having some wars out there <laughs> and so yeah, a little bit it's, yeah. it's, it's put the, the the delay on it mm -hmm. uh, but there's a an album track by Roy uh, produced by Roy G who uh, did a lot with Bruce Dickinson mm -hmm. and it but it's this band and um so they want me to go over there and do a, a small tour, um, not just Peru, and okay. South America. Um, we've got inquiries from America. We've got we've got inquiries from Australia, trying to piece together a, a tour. You know, it's, it's all very well for a one one uh, festival or club to say, "Well, come on." Yeah, you know, and you go, yeah, we could probably get there and do it, but we wouldn't. We'd have to pay the band, and we wouldn't make any money on it. Yeah. And we need to have, we need to make a living. You know, yeah, you you still have electricity bills, just like everyone else, and you know, <laughs> you you need to be able to uh, to fund projects and 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 things too. You know, like even if you record at home, your your studio still costs money. If if you have to go to a studio, that costs money. You got to pay the studio, yeah. the engineer, all that. Uh, the costs yes. don't go away. I think people have a misconception of once you've hit a certain peak of uh, what do you want to say success uh, that that it's just an easy road from there. But every tour is a struggle. Every I mean, it doesn't end. Yes, it doesn't. And and uh, I, I thank all those people who appear to go to places where you study the earnings of artists and you've got like how much you know, all these questions how much does uh peter townsend earn now and uh, how much is he worth and and they'll go like oh oh uh, uh let's let's look oh oh well it, it it's it's obviously he's over his lifetime he's sold 22 billion records not allowing for the fact who's going to take him pie out of that before yeah. the artist gets anywhere near it so I, I disbelieve totally all of those statements and it's it's yeah. a big you know well well i was I, I had a bit of a lesson uh in this when uh i i read i can't remember who the actor was or maybe it was an actress for some movie that they got you know 10 or 15 million dollars for and you think you worked on this for four months you got 15 million dollars this is this is insane but when you find out what they pay back out of that, you know, all the yeah. things that they paid to buy the the gowns to go to all the different premieres, to go on all the talk show circuits and all that, they actually, I mean, they still, they're okay. They're not hurting, but they get nowhere near what people perceive they get out of that. Even no. uh, I, I just heard uh, Prince talking about Michael Jackson, how little he actually made off a thriller because the record company got so much of it. And, and the, the, the perception of, Rock stars or rich people is not the it's it's not that common. No, and and even the other you know footballers come whatever they they have uh, biting into that. Yeah, many many people, and of course you know uh, from different 
shall we say, fraternities. So, I mean, you know, it's like uh, things that you wouldn't even think of. You, you, you might get a hit record by one person. When you look at the actual sharings out of, say, the publishing, uh, lots of people had nothing to do with that <laughs> and who weren't even around at that time later pick mm -hmm. up the share that the publisher wants to downgrade, you know. And and so you can't even rely on that as a, yeah. a judgment of it, of it all. Uh, but, of course, you still do it and, and people still make money to live. And, uh, mm -hmm. Well, you can't not do it. I, I mean, it's if you're a creative, especially if you're a performer, you have to perform. If you're a creative, you have to create. It doesn't stop. I was uh, at a restaurant not too long ago with a friend of mine who um, was telling me about this strange sound that her ice machine was making. And I said, wait, say that again. And she did it. And I came up with a, a rhythmic pattern out of it. And I said, I could put this in. The you can't not <laughs> hear it. It's just, no. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I seriously could talk to you all day, but before we wrap but, up, uh, you have recently. Ooh, oh yeah, can we can we talk about what what's going on now? Yeah, I was just I was just going to head into that. Um, you have recently gotten into the world of social media, which is a uh, is a whole I, I can of whatever it is. Um, but you've got a YouTube channel out now, and the YouTube channel is The Real Arthur Brown. And the links are going to be in the show notes for all you guys. Just click on them, it'll take you right there. You also have a website, The God of Hellfire. Uh, you have put a lot of effort into both of these channels. You you're showing up on uh, on the socials like Facebook and, and Instagram. What is it like for you to be in, in the computer side of things where you come from the analog days? I, I do, um, and uh, I did. I was one of the early artists to uh, put out records through um, the web and everything. And and um, but I will say that the current presence, which I think is beautiful, and it, in itself kind of a work of art. Um, is the work of Claire. And I, the, my contact with it is listening as she goes through uh, TikTok every morning and uh, we have a good laugh and a good cry or whatever. You know, there's some beautiful stuff on there yeah. and some hilarious stuff. Um, and she has worked her way through over the last seven years becoming able to wield the whole of those available platforms, etc. I don't know how to do that. I know how she does it. So I've got a, uh, an outside, but uh, let me get Claire. And she is also the vision holder for the whole show that we're putting on. So she is a very, very talented and important person uh, in our uh, universe. <laughs> and she's um, very, very nice, very sweet. Uh, let me ask you, the show that you're doing now, um, do you, are you writing new material? Are you just 
uh, you know, kind of combining stuff that you've done over your career or a combination of both? What we have been doing, uh, which was just starting a tour when COVID hit and lockdown and all of that. So it, it got delayed back. We, we've just done the Royal Albert Hall with the Shorter Act. Um, what and a venue. Go... Oh, <laughs> and I met the guy who designed all the sound and everything in there. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what a an undertaking and a satisfaction to have actually made a difference to the sound there because yeah. it it was great for its purpose, mm-hmm. but electronic sound was far too, if you like, powerful and overwhelming in, right. in a lot of it. Well, uh, it was designed for an orchestra, right? Yes, it was. And that, that doesn't necessarily match uh, an electric band, but he has managed to... Uh, mitigate a lot of the difficulties that that created and so um and and we we had a great sound we had a great sound um and yeah (laughs) Uh, but but the thing is that um we are create we are using for the act the theatrical and meaningful numbers from my career that when we the lots of them were involved in stories of their own but this is a story by itself uh-huh. of of my and I'll leave Claire to to tell you more about it because she says it better than I, I could probably say it in six hours. <laughs> uh, just just, but, just let's know, just do the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we also have done a new album, and uh, that will feature in the uh, stage act from next year, beginning oh. of next year. Um, so if you want to see the the one the current one, that's in our tour in November in in uh, basically in England. We have a couple outside of England. Uh, but let me get Claire. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Claire has taught herself and she is in charge of it and she is in charge of the vision of it. So she's, I said in my universe, she's very important. He's, he's putting the pressure on you, Claire. Big time. I'm just sitting here thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Claire Waller. So, Welcome, well, Claire. How can, I, how can I help you? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, are you on a laptop or a phone? Uh, on a little iPad. Can you can you maybe just turn it just a little bit? Because I'm just getting the top of your head. There we are. There you go. Okay, I'll that's perfect. <laughs> well, welcome. So so Arthur said that it would take him six hours to explain it, which is I think longer than the actual show. So, <laughs> although I wouldn't mind uh, six hours of Arthur Brown, I I think I can handle that. So he's got uh, a very nice voice, hasn't he? He does. <laughs> he does. It, you know what's what's interesting too is I can hear his singing tones in his speaking voice because he's got a, you know a deep speaking voice 
but yes. I, I can also hear just like such a gentleness in his speaking voice, which is not always what you hear when he's singing. It's a nice contrast. <laughs> yes, uh, he, has- he said that you're doing uh, pretty much all of the, the internet stuff. Are you handling both the YouTube page and the website as well? Yes. So um, I'm very lucky. We have a, a young friend, Marvin Stang, who we met in Germany. So um, I worked with a lot of Andes, actually, we've worked with. But originally, when we set up on the visual side of things, I worked with a guy um, to create the content. And he worked really hard. And together we, you know, it was, this is what I'm seeing, Andy. And he had the technical know-how. He also worked on building the website with our vision. So... I manage, well, together, you know, we set out on this together. So it's been a case of homemade, create it, and then really sort of learn all the skills as you're going along. But really very much aided now, um, certainly with the shop, with the website, with um, visually a lot of the stuff via Marvin. Um, I work with him. He's in Germany. So this is the wonder of the modern world. Yes. So, you know, we tend to work really peculiar hours um, and work together and, and create that. But this social media side of things, um, Matt North started with Arthur and started on the website and the social media Facebook page. Um, but we run all that now. So the Instagram, we do have TikTok, but I'm finding that one a little, it's just, all of these things. I mean, it's about six hours a day on social media. And actually, Arthur genuinely answers the questions. So, you know, yesterday there was a guy wrote in about, oh, this is the helm of my ship, which is a line from uh, Didn't Come, isn't it? Yeah. So he writes back, you know, so it's it's very much, it's been quite exciting in the last couple of months because it started to get traction because I think with, coming out of covid and going out and gigging again it has a meaning and you have content to bring and people have been to the show so they'll write in but we've also started a a subscribe newsletter Mm -hmm. so that's becoming quite fun because we always put a little picture of something at home on that and then arthur writes so this newsletter that went out yesterday was the backstory of dance, wasn't it? Yeah. So oh, it's it kind so, of so beautifully written. I have to say, it, it, oh, do if you I, have it? I did. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, if I good. if I hadn't already heard the album, you know, I would have immediately wanted to hear that album. I mean that that was a very passionate description of of music, and it's hard sometimes to write about music because music is so feeling. You know, even if it's lyrical, it's it's mostly about how it makes you feel. Uh, but you guys are doing a great job with the sites. I mean, you're always uploading new content to the YouTube channel. Um, the website itself is absolutely beautiful. You've got a nice store there, but just it's just a a wonder world of Arthur's career, mm. and it's so well done. I am I refuse to get on TikTok. It is just the weirdest world to me. I I don't understand it. I'll stick with Facebook and Instagram for now. Uh, and then, and then I'm sure I'll. Eat and then there's threads, you know. Yeah. We, yeah. I I don't know how that's building. I kind of just put the 
platform there and just left that because to me it's kind of but then there's some really interesting things I I think if it's if you're doing this genuinely because it's your work and it's your life then people pull up the most amazing stuff and you think wow where did that come from and I've shown Arthur you found something yesterday didn't you where you know it's it's just this huge sea of stuff i mean he's yeah. he's had a huge huge length of a career so mm-hmm. there's lots of things but he does remember that's what's beautiful about it you say oh you know what's the story of that and there's so many stories yeah and what what our mission was when we set out together i've always said to arthur what is it you want you know what is it you want from this um and he said, really, just to establish the fact that he wasn't a one-hit wonder. You know, he spent yeah. his life creating. And and what's really pleasing now is that his catalogue of music is coming out. Um, so maybe he doesn't love all of it, or I don't love all of it, but there's gems within each of that. And then there's all this undiscovered stuff that Mm-mm. is still there and has some really beautiful work on it. And you know, I must say we are extremely lucky with who we have in our life now because we we found Andy for projections who we just found randomly who lives nearby to us, which is fortunate. Robin, Jim and Sam have known Arthur a very long time and Dan came to us via um, Jim and Sam. So it's kind of if you hold something, I think, and you hold it very clearly, the right people manifest, don't they? It sounds very new agey, but. Well, no, I think, I, I, I think it's proven, you know, and especially because you you'll dismiss people that don't fit. You know, if, if there's somebody yeah. who might be talented, but you just just don't vibe yeah. with and you just move along to, you know, so you yeah, collect the right like, people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, you know, I must mention the other Andy who who set the content, you know, he was great. And then, you know, Marvin, as I say, the people that help us technically, and then my son's done photography for Arthur. We're we're really lucky and, and, and grateful, <laughs> you know, very much so. And that Andy that, that did the content, mm. he went to one of the shows with Carl. Ah, okay. So you oh. came to mm-hmm. where did you come then? Which uh, Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that, the, that would be yeah. at the join at the Hard Rock. The Hard Rock has uh, sold. It's now uh, Virgin Hotels. But I think they kept the theater. So when you guys come back, uh, that'll still be there. And we've got a plethora of other places to play. Yeah. Uh, but but speaking of playing, so without giving too much away, because I think this this the way that Arthur performs, it needs an element of surprise. So without giving too much away, what can we expect on the tour that that you're doing now? Well, this has been a a kind of love project that's that's really taken lots of twists and turns and hasn't come to its full fruition of the vision that we had at the start because COVID came in, all sorts of... But actually, we're seeing that now as a positive because we've taken it out to various size spaces, to festivals, to tiny, tiny clubs that... The tour last year in Germany, we one of our favourite gigs was a tiny little club and we arrived and thought, never going to manage this. But the crew there were amazing and they transformed a tiny box and it became really magical, didn't it? Wow. So we're excited to go out because we're doing small venues, larger venues, 
and and a large one with gong and osric's tentacles but we um we are challenging all the time so i think what i would like to say about this is what we're hoping for in the tour is for arthur to bring his voice and a dimension of performance that is slightly different because he's going to be engaging differently i'll just put it like that that's intriguing yeah so he's he's up for the challenge and we're pushing something which we've never done before so we'll see whether it works but i think arthur's stage persona and his performance will pull it off so i think think that's the thing you have to uh you can't just go out and do the same thing even just for yourself as an artist you have to do new things Mm -hmm. you want to challenge you it's got to stay fun I try and find something different to do with every album, you know, whatever that thing is, it's got to be something different, you know, something that, that pushes me a little bit. Uh, Otherwise it just gets, it's not that it's not fun, but it does get a bit stale and it it can become very formulated after a while. And it's not creative. I think the thing with this is, you know, we don't have big budgets, but sometimes that's good creatively because you you know for instance the costume the hats and the helmets and things like that they're very much handmade but actually they would be made like that anyway but they probably have slightly more expensive materials and could sure. be finished better and but... it's, it is Claire, Claire Waller who makes them <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing you know but no he um but that that's the kind of joy of it um well don't worry he's been embarrassing you the whole time you just weren't here (laughs) but we um we just want to bring this it it was always supposed to be a multi-dimensional take on the human perspective and the essence of arthur was center and framed by moving imagery and the costumes were there to catch the light so they're quite simple in structure but they're the shiny lycra, which, you know, Arthur, is he the shadow? Is he the one on the stage? And it does at points blend. And there's, we had foils. We've had difficulty in pulling that off. So we're really going for, okay, how do we create this level of, oh, I'm looking at this. No, I'm not. I'm looking at that. I'm seeing shadow. I'm seeing the person. The person's morphing into the visuals. That's That's the whole point of the show. Interesting. And and how can you use light and uh, color along with the sound so that sonically it's challenging? Um, and the band are incredible. They've you know, and they really are very. The word that everyone keeps writing about is tight, and they are because they know each other. Oh. We've got it set almost in a triangle, so they can triangulate the sound and each other's you know glances. Mm-hmm. So it's just really each time we will add something and and something about the whole notion of it is what do you see? What do you see in a person? What do you see in a situation? Did you see it correctly? Did you see the shadow? Did you see the light? You know, it's it's that concept. Is, I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, since I will not be able to get to Europe, of course, uh, the big question for those of us over here would be, uh, are you planning on filming anything or or getting some footage to, uh, you know, kind of give us an idea of what we're missing out on? 
Yes, we are. And there's there's several ways we've looked at doing that. We try to share as much as we can, but we are very picky about, obviously, the band want the sound to be great when it goes out. Mm-hmm. And visually, you know, our visual team are picky on that and, and want that. So we do put out as much as we can, and we're very fortunate with photographers. Um, but filming-wise... It's a really important thing that what goes out actually represents what you're trying to do. So we do want to actually create a a space where we can film so that we've actually got all the dimensions that we want. So we are intending to do that. Um, And again, Marvin would be who we would choose to come in and do that because he's just got, he's only 21 and he's just got this incredible eye for seeing what you're trying to say mm-hmm. and he captures it so beautifully so we it know sounds, who we want to film it and it sounds where. like it would be a, a delicate balance too because what you're saying about whether you're seeing the shadow whether you're seeing the person like that's that's not something that you can necessarily just set up a camera and capture at a show and that's interesting because we have done that you know we were in Italy last year and um Robin and Sam are both really good with camera and they set you know, cameras up. I think we had five, but it doesn't capture the show. What you need is the person in there Mm -hmm. with the angles and actually honing in on the message. And that's, that's where a handheld is needed. You know, you need someone moving with the show with Arthur and particularly Dan in this, Dan is the other performance man Mm -hmm. um, in the show. He steps out and he is, he is very charismatic and he comes forward and plays with Arthur, you know, and that sort of interplay is what people want to watch, isn't it? You know, you yeah. want to see. And it is really Dan locks in with Arthur and they, you know, they perform together. So, yeah, it's we're really excited. We've got a whole period now where we're rehearsing just the visual. So how nice well i mean it's it's when when arthur performs it's not a concert i mean it there's music no. playing but it's yeah. it's a stage show it's it's more like a, a theatrical performance with yes. in, enhanced by music uh are there going to be new songs or is it is it kind of going through his career what we did when we set this it's a story so it's the story of arthur's story if you like of you know who am i what mm-hmm. what is life it's trying to to express that with the real key points of his music but moving to next year i don't know am i allowed to say yeah, okay. um what we're wanting to do the new album that has just been completed um is a kind of sequel to this show mm. so what we're wanting to do is to create a show of two halves where the new album comes in. So the the show that we have at the moment sets the ground and then it's almost like the final chapter, if you like, of, of that thing that he wants to express. Without going into it too much. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm, I'm very so, excited. I'm excited. That there's a new album. Um, is there? Can, can you give a tentative release date at this point, or is it too early? No, we literally have just handed it. We've handed it over. 
so we're we're waiting. Oh, okay. So it's being mixed now. Feedback. Oh, okay. Well, I I'm I I've never heard a song I haven't thoroughly enjoyed. I'll I'll just say that. So my my I don't want to say my expectations are high because that's a different pressure thing. But I will say I, I'm very hopeful that I will thoroughly enjoy it. This is really it's really the album Arthur wanted to make, and it's very experimental, and it's very beautiful. The writing is gorgeous. For someone to say that that an Arthur Brown album is experimental with that tone is really interesting <laughs> because I would say they're all experimental. And this sounds like you're pushing some boundaries, even for an Arthur Brown album. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm really curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See what you've done to me, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I cannot feel painting behind. It's it's that. Oh, okay. Uh, I cannot thank you guys enough for for taking so much time. I I know I've gone well beyond what uh, what we had scheduled, but thank you guys so much. It has been such a pleasure. I really hope that in some ways uh, you guys get back over here to do some shows. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that would love to see you. And uh, thank you guys. We really want to get there. We yeah. really are. We try. We almost had it last year, um, but it's the visa situation. You know, it's it's kind of we yeah. we love Lucky Doly. Do you ever watch Lucky Doly with the? Not heard of it. No. Oh, he's a keyboard player, Australian, Australia. and he's okay. just. I I want him to play with Arthur. I it would be so magical, <laughs> but he's he's actually. It's interesting. He's taken a. Um, kind of crowdfunding approach to get to the USA oh, because, wow, okay. you know, musicians traveling nowadays, crazy, crazy money to, yeah. to be able to take your band who have invested all their time in creating something. So, you know, we, we are pushing for that. And I, you know, we have to get there. There's, it's such a big, you know, group of really great, fan supporters in the USA and on all fronts of, you know, the website, sales. And Arthur has history there, you know, it's, yeah. it would be great to get well, back. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But in the meantime, uh, thank you guys so much. It has been such a pleasure. I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Likewise. Very lovely. Thank Very you. Lovely. Well, we will, uh, we will keep an eye on that. So for you guys that are listening, uh, check the show notes. Everything's on there. The YouTube page, the uh, website, go sign up uh, for the the mailing list. It's a lot of fun. It, every time I get a new uh, email, I just smile because I know it's going to it's gonna be something I'm going to enjoy. And every one of them is just either, either uh, made me laugh or just smile or just made me think. Uh, and I like things that make me think. That's I think we need more of that in this world. So keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully we'll see you over here before too much longer. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye.